0: Buildings entirely just crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I, I really need to leave.
1: So the offenses informed me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I, I see some people running now. And the opinion of this reporter, if
2: this nation, or in fact the world, ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. <laughs>
0: Episode of the Fire and Water Podcast, the official podcast of Aquaman Shrine.com and com. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag from Firestorm Fan. Along with me, as always, is my co host, the Irreversible Rob Kelly from Aquaman Shrine. How are
1: you doing, buddy? I'm good. I am good. I, I can't think of anything to say to Irreversible, so we're just going to just keep moving.
0: We, we can't turn you inside out. So, uh, folks, we are here. It is big episode, it's our review episode, we're going to cover the issue number 18, but first I just got to say, thanks for all the feedback on our previous episode. Uh, For those of you who didn't get the joke, I'd just like to (laughs) announce that we are changing our podcast this week, actually, from now on, it is going to be the Calendar Man and Calculator Podcast.
1: (laughs) Caltech.
0: That's right, we're calling it Caltech. No, seriously, uh, for those of you who didn't get the joke last time, (laughs) and by joke meaning The entire podcast was the joke. (laughs) Um, Last episode, in case you didn't hear it, we turned the Fire and Water podcast into El Podcast de Fuego y Agua, uh, which of course is Spanish for the Fire and Water podcast. Thank you to Hector Negrete for the assistance with that. But uh, yeah, the whole podcast, every bit about it. We covered Vibe, number one, and JLA, number one, and we did listener feedback, and we made references to lots of other episodes. All of it was total BS. (laughs) Now, we probably shared a couple of true opinions about Vibe number one and JLA number one.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, pro- yeah. The opinions were were not jokes. Yes. Um,
0: some of them. Okay. Some of them.
1: All right. Well, I, I, was, I was staying serious. <laughs> <laughs> there was a
0: nugget of truth in there. You know, I mean, for those of you who are like, wow, Shag's really excited about Vibe. No one can be that excited about Vibe, okay? I mean, I like the character. I really do, but no one's that excited about
1: <laughs> it. Even Jerry Conway's like, eh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And for those of you who didn't really pay close enough attention to the listener feedback, just go back and listen to that again. Because <laughs> odds are, you might recognize some pieces of those names a little more than you think. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, that was a joke, I assure you. And for those of you who really thought that was legit and we were becoming a Vibe podcast, shame on you. Who, just who, shame on you.
1: Who would have guessed that we were such accomplished actors?
0: I, I tell you, I am a thespian. <laughs> you know how hard it is for me to say that word with a straight face? <laughs> the 12-year-old me has all kinds of other things he wants to say.
1: Wait, did you just say thespian?
0: Thespian. Thespian. It's the... I have a cold. I have a really, okay. really bad it, it, yeah,
1: cold. Yeah, a, there's a P in there, not a B.
0: I was saying thespian.
1: Thespian, okay.
0: all right. Maybe I pronounce it with a B. You know, I heard a rumor that I'm not very good at pronouncing words. <laughs> so, anyway, um... Well, folks, again, we're here to cover the number 18 issues. We're going to talk today about Justice League number 18, Aquaman number 18, and the Fury of Firestorm, the Nuclear Man number 18.
1: Uh, anyway, yes, uh, Justice League number 18, uh, the cover uh, title is Recruited by the Grid. Now, that's not the actual name of the story, but we'll get to that in, in a moment. Um, it is by Jeff Johns, and not the boys this time. It is by, uh, art is by Jesus Says. Uh, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. I hope I am. Um, and uh, also, uh, n- n- the colors are not by Rod Reese although the the whole the whole crew got the month off uh, for this issue, which is kind of fitting because this is a standalone sort of issue, although it leads into another multi-part story. Of, of course it does. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but anyway, this is kind of a self-contained issue, in that um, it takes place all up in the well, for the most part, all up in the uh, the satellite and the watchtower. It's satellite. Um I'm getting ahead of myself. It opens in Pittsburgh High featuring two people that we're familiar with, of course. You want to say who that is? Yeah, we there are. There got Ronnie, Ronnie and Jason. And they're having a little squabble about schoolwork when uh, Jay, uh, uh, Ronnie gets a communication from someone. And, uh, and so – well, actually, they both do. They both get these messages from someone saying that we can help you. And we don't know – at the moment, we don't know who that's from, but it looks very startling. Uh, in Baltimore, Black Canary is in the middle of fighting Copperhead, and she gets a similar message from someone. And then in San Francisco, Zatanna is performing a show, and she also gets a message. So, who are all these messages coming from? Well, of course, the messages are coming from the Justice League, and they are doing a recruiting drive for new members, as uh, was indicated at the end of the Throne of Atlantis storyline.
0: It's, it's kind of like a PBS pledge drive.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's got the tote bags, it's everything. It's great. And then we see the JLA discuss you know about adding new members. Um, we see that Aquaman is a little distracted. he's too they're having this conversation, but he's too busy staring out the uh, the uh, window there the down at earth. He's worried about all the uh, Atlantean weaponry uh, getting out of hand, so he's sort of not really there. Um, but anyway, then we uh, we cut forward in time a little bit and we see the mixer. And uh, the, the Justice League is playing host to the aforementioned Black Canary, Black Lightning, Blue Devil, Shag favorite, Woo! Element Woman, Firestorm, Gold. Woo! Yes, this has got all your favorites: Gold Rush, Nightwing, Platinum from the Metal Men, Vixen. Woo! Vic, yeah. <laughs> I like uh, the Metal bit. Okay, uh, Vixen and Zatanna, who needs a coat? Um <laughs> she, What? I she just that, that looks like a weird costume to me.
0: Oh, that's what she wears in Justice League Dark.
1: Oh is that okay. It's, it's,
0: yeah, the the whole fishnets on the arm is sort of their nod to the old fishnets. Right, old-
1: right. Anyway, so everybody is is talking back and forth and uh like Black Lightning is saying that he doesn't necessarily want to join the team if he can't take his partner Blue Devil with him, which is
0: Hell to the, yeah. Very
1: nice gesture. Platinum is freaking everybody out because she's introducing herself in the same robotic manner uh, that she says to everybody. She says, I am property of the United States Army, built to operate in situations too dangerous or toxic to humans. What is your occupational occupational task, robot? And she's talking to Gold Rush. Gold Rush is like, I'm not anybody's robot. Uh, Gold Rush also hits on Flash, which is kind of cute. And at one point, uh, Firestorm goes over to talk to Platinum. And platinum. I mean,
0: you know, first of all, he's talking to Element Woman. Then he's talking to Platinum because he's a player.
1: He is a player. Um, But then he goes over to talk to Platinum, and Platinum wigs out and starts asking what happened to uh, her creator, Will Magnus. She lashes out. She she knocks Firestorm around. She knocks Gold Rush around and Blue Devil. So everybody, they're all trying to subdue her, get her to calm down. Cyborg figures out that it's her, like little positronic brain thing is in there, and that's the part that they want to save. Uh, Firestorm uses his powers to um, destabilize her molecularly, if I said that right. I was going to
0: say, who saves the day?
1: That's Firestorm. Um, The one part of her that's not sort of uh, reassembled into other parts is the positronic brain thing, and it's about to fall into the floor and smash when it is saved by the atom, the the brand-new atom. Uh, we find out that Cyborg invited her to join to uh, to come up for the meeting so the JLA reviews everybody and they decide to add three members um interesting aside here is that they decide that these new members need to be quote unquote fully committed to the Justice League
0: where we heard that before where we
1: heard that before <laughs> That's Tell the people at home who don't know. Um, yeah, well, that was Aquaman's idea way back in nineteen eighty four, and we saw how well that worked out.
0: And what did that
3: give us?
1: That gave us vibe, of course. Justice League Detroit, Justice baby. Justice League Detroit. Yeah, um, they add three new members. They add Adam, Element Woman, and go ahead, Firestorm. Firestorm.
0: Although he, re- you know, I always say it that way, but like that's probably not the best way to say it. No, no. Firestorm.
1: Firestorm. Um, Cyborg reveals that. He has learned that all of the JLA's Justice League – it's hard to say JL not say um, JLA when it's really – I know. JL. It is. Um, the, all their databases have been hacked and stolen from them. And uh, obviously they don't know who this is, but then the person who is doing it left them a message. The book ends with a giant skull and crossbones It says, have a nice day. And that is the end of the issue. And it says, next, the road to Trinity War begins. <laughs> Um,
0: <laughs> I like your.
1: <sighs> yeah, I, I no, I you know okay. I uh, I genuinely like this issue. I thought it was a lot of fun. I really liked seeing everybody just sort of hanging out together. I'm um, sure that Platinum gets involved in a fight, but it's kind of like a relatively minor fight. Um, I liked a lot of the jokes. It kind of reminded me of Justice League International.
0: Uh, I I kind of got the same vibe. The, uh, the, ooh, the, look at oh, that. there you go. Uh, it did feel sort of, old, it felt old school JLA to me, mm-hmm. you know, or Justice League, I should say. And you know, there was some international in there. There was some of maybe the Grant Morrison years in there. It was, you know, it was fun and adventurous, at, you know, at the same time. So,
1: yeah, it's it was like said. It was it's nice to see all these people just sort of interacting without having some sort of big overarching plot going on. Um, I liked a lot of the gags. The artwork is even in some ways by Jesus Sages. In some panels, a little Kevin McGuire-ish almost in terms of. His facial... Uh... Vixen's face.
0: Vixen's face as she is jumping at the camera. Yes, when she's turning into the
1: gorilla, yeah. She's
0: turning the gorilla. I thought that was Kevin Maguire at first. I was like, that looks just like a Kevin Maguire
1: face. And on the, the following page, there's a panel featuring Cyborg, Black, Lightning, and Aquaman sort of charging it about. That looks kind of Kevin maguire to me. So, so it kind of fit. You know, yeah. the, the, they would get a guy whose style was somewhat similar. Um, to this. So, and you know, it was nice. I, I kind of wish they could have done another whole issue of this. Maybe that was probably pushing it, but, uh, I, I really could see more of this after such big storylines going from storyline to storyline to storyline. It was kind of nice to take this little breather and you know, I'm, I'm not all that eager to, to jump into another storyline so quickly. I know that's what they're going to do, but, uh, but I really did enjoy this. I thought it was cute. It was fun. I don't know who this Gold Rush woman is, but I like her flirting with Flash. She she picks up Flash as he's sitting in his chair, and I like the fact that um that Barry is a little intimidated by that.
0: Oh, is that oh, is that Barry? Is that?
1: Barry? Oh, I, didn't,
0: yeah. I didn't. Well, I didn't realize because all of his dialogue sounds like Wally West.
1: Exactly. Uh, that's I, as I caught myself saying Barry, I realized this really doesn't feel like Barry Allen. This even a little, Not like, well, even a little bit. Yeah.
0: I mean, I read the Flash book. I know what Barry sounds like, the current Flash book. So and this is the current Flash, the new 52. And my friends, this was Wally West.
1: Yeah. I don't know why, it, again, I don't know why. Straight
0: you know. up Wally West.
1: Yeah. I, mean, well, I, I know why they did it, but they shouldn't
0: have. No, they did it by accident. I mean, he, he he couldn't have intended to do Wally West. He must have just fallen back into his old rhythm. Well, I mean, why? Wally West book.
1: Right. I just mean, I don't know why they got rid of Wally West. the replacement oh, yeah, yeah. We, like, well, you know, yeah. we do know why, but they didn't.
0: Well, we, we know there's a big mystery plan they're building, to, yes, and sure. have been for Four years now. Right. Um. Um, I'm, a little, I'm a little bitter. Okay. I do like that Platinum slapped the gold off of Gold Rush, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which was pretty funny. And uh, I do like that Gold Rush is basic. they basically established her as a, a gold-digging uh, Texas housewife. It's kind of what they – I mean there's probably more to her. But I mean that's so far what we've established, is she's from Texas. She's been married and divorced a few times. And she likes men, so it's like, wow, okay.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, have we figured out where has she appeared anywhere else in this in the DC in the New Fifty Two
0: before? Um, maybe so one other comic because I okay. I think I know more about her than what I've learned here. No, no, I learned it here. Never mind. No, I don't. I don't think so.
1: Okay, right. So so, so. and I so I thought it was interesting that or odd that she wasn't made a member. I figured the reason Jeff Johns was bringing her in was to make her a member, and yet she's not. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they're going to work well, with in, in some of the other characters, but it was just seems strange to me that they only added the three. Um, Adam, well, Element Woman, and Firestorm.
0: Part of this has got to be, you know, the whole um, the database has been copied thing, it happened while the heroes were there. Right. You know, there's got to be a question of who was it. You know, was it Platinum? Which seems like an obvious choice, because she malfunctioned. Or was it you know, the shocker would be Gold Digger. Or the even bigger shocker would be Element Woman.
1: You meant to call her Gold Digger? Was that on purpose? Oh,
0: crap. I didn't mean to. But Barry called her that. so Or Wally did. Okay. well, Whatever. The I didn't, didn't mean to. The Flash okay. called her that. So I fell into it. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, you, like I would imagine anyone walks away from this going, oh, well, obviously Platinum copied the files. Because she was being controlled by a bad guy. Mm-hmm. But then wouldn't it be more surprising if it was Gold Rush? Or then, then the big reveal would be that it's actually Element Woman. Mm. Or element Girl or whatever. Element Woman, yeah. I like how she named Rex. She said uh, Rex was right.
1: Oh, that's uh, right. Yes, yes, yes.
0: So it makes you wonder, is he Metamorpho? Or is he just Rex? You know? Oh, uh, I bet he'll
1: be meta- yeah, Metamorpho.
0: Yeah. Well, at some point he will be. But is he yet?
1: Yeah. Oh, well, I see what you're saying. Like, is she, she first? Yeah, yeah I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't yeah.
0: think we've seen Metamorpho.
1: No, I don't think so. It's hard to keep it, track of this
0: stuff. Well, the, the, what makes it hard is there's a few comics they've done where they'll have, like, one of those big TV monitors in the background with, like, 20 characters on there. Right. And that's technically the first appearance of that character. Right. And the only appearance of that character. So, like, you sometimes forget, did that person appear in a panel somewhere? I don't remember.
1: Yeah, I can't no. keep track of all this stuff. Um, I like the introduction of the Atom. I mean, it, you know, I think Just League needs an Atom, so I'm, I'm happy that they brought, it, brought her into it. And, of course, it'll be nice to have Firestorm around because we know he's going away as a solo venture soon, so... I think it's going to be a great addition
0: to the team. Absolutely. You know, I like... They they did a really good job with his enthusiasm. Um, they did a really good job with him and Jason sort of bickering. Um, not bickering, but just kind of, you know, kind of... Mm, sort of basically being me and you, I suppose. Um, <laughs> friendly sniping. Uh, I like that Firestorm got to be the one who sort of saved the day. We I mean, kind of demonstrate that, yes, he is worthwhile.
1: Oh, he got the most to do in this issue.
0: Yeah. Fun. So, now, some criticism would be: um, Jesus Sayez. Mm-hmm. Uh, however you say his name? Unfortunately, he got Firestorm's costume wrong in a few ways. Okay. Oh, um, yeah, I mean nothing major, nothing like that makes you go, "Oh, it's all messed up." But like the the symbol on his chest is a little bit wrong. The um, the shoulders don't have the additional circles on them. So I mean it's just little things, none of it major. But it's, if you're a close Firestorm fan, you can't help but notice some of this stuff.
1: Uh, yeah, I did not
0: notice any of that. Yeah. Now, I heard some people online kind of saying, why would you have Element Woman and Firestorm on the team? They both do element stuff, but their powers are different. I mean, Element Woman changes herself into various elements, whereas Firestorm can transform, transmogrify elements,
3: mm-hmm.
0: uh, external to himself, and can't do anything organic. So, I mean, they really are different characters, but, you know, some people were like, oh, it seems like duplication of powers. And that's just, you know, nerd griping on the internet
1: I suppose <laughs> I never thought it really mattered about powers was really more characters and personalities you know I mean
0: I think it depends on how you what kind of person you are you and I are the same way in that regard But there's a lot of people I know who are like into role playing games and stuff
1: oh, in vi- oh, okay.
0: video games and you gotta have a balanced power set and they make a good argument for yeah me,
1: I never thought of that you're right
0: yeah. but we never think of it that way because I'm more interested in reading it. it's like when I read a superhero fight and I'll be talking with someone else about it and he's like did you see the way he picked him up and slammed him right there and I'm like yeah, I don't really remember that. I remember they had a fight. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't remember the details of the fight because I'm more focused on the character. Was there more into the action? So it's kind of interesting how different people read comics different ways. So yeah.
1: I would have liked to have seen uh, Blue Devil join up. He's 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 homeless at the moment. Yeah. So uh, I think he would have been an interesting addition. And I'm not just doing it just to suck up to you. I actually thought uh, it would have been good.
0: You feel bad, so I'm sick. <laughs> he he needs a he needs a new costume really badly. But, okay. Yes. So, one thing that's really cool and uh, is a little tiny nod in here on the very first page. Um, Jason is, says he's thinking about asking out a girl and he's asking Ronnie for advice. Now, it's a little strange because in, in the Firestorm book, you know, he's sort of chasing Tanya. Uh, but here he's thinking about a different girl. Got to assume that these are maybe different time periods or whatever or maybe it's not working out with Tanya. Anyway, he asks about Blythe Bonner. And Blythe Bonner is the secret identity... Of um, Bite I don't know if you remember me Oh uh,
2: really Bug, bug oh, and Bite Bug and Bite
0: Yeah this, that's Bug
1: Okay yeah. nice catch Alright Yeah Cool Now
0: that that, Oh I'm in trouble here Because I can't remember who it was it, um, One of the Firestorm fan readers Actually emailed me about that Before I ever read the comic So oh, it was Charlemagne Our buddy Roy Cleary Roy Cleary actually mentioned He goes uh, You know what'd you think of that And it, I didn't buy the comic For like almost two weeks So once I finally got it it was like Ooh, Oh yeah Very cool so, I still think Bug and Bite would work nowadays as malware and kilobyte
1: <laughs> We had that discussion on a Who's Who show.
0: I know. I stand by that <laughs> belief. Uh, Do you notice Copperhead looked a lot less human and more snake like? Yes. Than... Yes, I did. Interesting look. I did like seeing Zatanna in her classics outfit because, you know, she other, wears the other one in Justice League Dark, mm-hmm. but you, know, you got to see her in sort of her classic costume, at least while she was performing. Right. So, it was a nice way to sort of nod the old school stuff. Aquaman, um, I like how Aquaman and Vixen had that shared experience. Like, they're, they're telling a joke. Uh, and, and actually, it's the mention of the flying fish. Vixen oh, that's says. That's right,
1: that's right,
0: yes. Vixen's laughing, and she goes, He was ridiculous, wasn't he, Aquaman?
1: The flying fish. <laughs>
0: and Aquaman says, I'm not sure what frightened him more, Vixen. The sharks, are you, or the ducks. <laughs> they're both laughing their heads off, and the devil's like, Guess you had to be there.
1: <laughs> yeah, another. Uh, I guess we can look forward to uh, the flying fish being introduced into continuity soon. I thought he
0: was going to be Aquaman's next big bad guy. Oh,
1: but good lord. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, overall, no, uh, you know, a uh, really fun issue. Even though Aquaman got very little to do, that's fine. You know, he's got a lot on his plate right now. I understand that. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to these, these new characters added into the book. I think it'll be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm especially interested to see more about Adam because we don't know anything about her. I, I googled Rhonda Panita Pin, the, the new Adam's name, and apparently she's a realtor in real life. Um, no, I'm kidding. There's, <laughs> yeah. there, there's a lady in the real world with that name who happens to be a realtor. But other than that, wow. she's, this is it.
1: over my head there.
0: These, this is, like, the only appearance she's had so far. So, I mean, you know, other than these Justice League issues, we've seen her.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So Because I, I thought it
0: might be a, a pre-New 52 character I just didn't remember or something. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's it appears to be an all-new creation.
1: Maybe you could do, you know, like, once a year, just do one of these, like, they're... Little party issue that'd be kind of fun. I know they probably won't ever do that, but yeah. I, I would enjoy that just to, just a break from all the fisticuffs for once. Kind of
0: and the more Wally I can read, the happier I am. <laughs>
1: um, so yeah, so that said, that was uh, Justice League number eighteen. Oh, and I should mention the cover uh, was 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 by the guys. The cover was by uh, by Reese and Prado and Reese, but uh, the inside was by Jesus Jesus Say. So presumably they'll be back next issue. Uh, you know, come on, guys. It's funny, it was, uh, uh, on uh, Facebook, Rod Reese mentioned that he was, like, getting loaded for St. Patrick's Day. And I'm like, well, if the next issue of Justice League is late, this is why. And now now we know. I guess they took this month off, so.
0: Well, I mean, considering what they did with the Atlantis attacks, uh, they deserve a break.
1: (laughs) They do, absolutely. Um, so, okay, so that's Justice League number 18. Uh, next up, we're gonna move on to Aquaman number 18. This story is kind of the beginning of a new storyline is called Death of the King by Jeff Johns, of course, Paul Pelletier, and Sean Parsons and colors by Rod Reese. Um, if you enjoy Aquaman talking to people, this is your issue. I mean, this is a lot of talking in this one.
0: And that um, what you said last month?
1: Didn't
0: I? <laughs> Something very similar.
1: Okay, well, I guess there's a lot of talking. Anyway, uh, after a brief opening in Antarctica where these two guys get a Get attacked by well, there's like an, sort of an earthquake. It swallows up their installation that they've got. One guy gets uh, swallowed up. Another guy gets attacked by this creature that emerges out of the pit. Um, we find ourselves uh, Aquaman and his team of Atlanteans, including Merck, the one Atlantean guy who really doesn't cotton to the idea of Aquaman being in charge. Trying to round up all the Atlantean, lost Atlantean weapons, and there's a montage of them doing just that. Um, there's a, the opening splash page, which actually doesn't come along till page 4, is a double page uh, shot of Aquaman heading into Atlantis, which is really beautiful. It's a love really, it. really, really, really beautiful uh, piece. Absolutely love it. Um, following that, Aquaman gets into a fight with Merc. Merc, again, is just kind of giving Aquaman a whole lot of grief.
0: Well, he gets in a disagreement with
1: Merc. All right, a di- yes, a disagreement. There's no, there's no fists being thrown or anything like
0: that. Because you know that's coming. I mean, it's building.
1: Yes, to that. yes, it's good. yeah. I mean, Merk is like twice the size of Aquaman, so you know that's where that's heading. He then talks to Tula, which, of course, we're all familiar with. Who that will, that will either become or was at some point. We learn that Tula is in fact um, Ocean Master's sister. Um, course, but you would think, well, doesn't that make him? Doesn't that make her Aquaman's sister? No, she is Orm's sister by their father. And Aquaman is Orm's brother by their mother. So while they are related in a technical way, they're not related by uh, blood in any way. Um, They have a discussion. And basically a a similar thing where Tula talks about she doesn't trust the surface world to treat Orm well. And she worries that he's going to be executed up on the surface. And Aquaman has to sort of calm her down and say, no, 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 it's not going to happen. And again, it's similar to the Merc conversation. She basically says, you know, I'm not sure I trust you. Uh, as king. She doesn't come out and say that, but that's the inference. And it leaves Aquaman sitting there with his throne looking kind of sad. Aquaman looks very sad in this issue in general. Um, We have a brief interlude with Mira where they're talking about wanting to arrest her where she's not having it. And then Aquaman has yet another conversation uh, this time with Volko who is imprisoned for what he did in the Throne of Atlantis storyline. He reveals to Aquaman who is the guy behind all of this missing Atlantean weaponry. It's a man named Peter Mortimer, the weapons dealer, the Scavenger.
0: Dun, 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 dun. Uh,
1: we then get a, a brief, another brief interlude, but this is with the Scavenger. We see one of the Atlantean weapons um, accidentally discharge and uh, melt a guy into a puddle, which is kind of, <laughs> kind of, a, kind of a fun thing. Um, we murk and – well, while well Aquaman is off trying to find Scavenger – Merck and Tula have a conversation, and they basically come out and say that they are going to go rescue Orm from the surface world, come hell or high water. And it doesn't really matter what their king tells them to do. So, yeah,
0: I mean, they basically just agreed to commit treason.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, back up on the surface, uh, Mira gets arrested. She's about to wig out when another police officer shows up, a young woman named Officer Watson. She says that she went to um, school with Aquaman. That's kind of a new thing. And she basically says, look, I think you're a good person. Um, I know, You know, you're Aquaman's wife, so therefore you must be a good person. And, you know, I need you to trust us that this will all get worked out and, you know, not make this worse. Mira agrees to that. But, of course, right at that moment, they are attacked by a giant snowstorm, a massive well, snowstorm.
0: Of course they are. Hmm? Of course they're attacked by a giant snowstorm. Yes, of
1: course. Um, she tries to – Mira tries to hold it off with her powers. She can't quite do it. She's knocked out. And the issue ends with the big reveal, which is this Ice King guy. And he says, you will lead me to your people, and the seventies will be mine again. Next, into the Bermuda Triangle.
3: Dun-dun-dun-dun!
1: <laughs> this was, I enjoyed this issue. Uh, it, again, it's very talky. It's Aquaman having one conversation, then another conversation, and then a third conversation. Uh, but, but it's still a lot of fun, and uh, amid all the talking, Paul Pelletier gets a lot of good moments, I think. Um, it's probably hard to to maybe shine when you have a lot of talky conversations, but he does a good job. First of all, the cover is very nice. Falcon Man on the throne, very wonderfully covered by Rod, uh, colored by Rod Rees. Um, as we mentioned, the opening splash is really, really very nice. That's a, it's another really beautiful image.
0: Um, you know what that cover? The more I look at it, it's really amazing. Like that light coming down, and I don't know if that's. That might just solely be Rod, I don't know. Yeah, but, I that's um, Rod, yeah. The, the, the bright, bright light coming down, sort of making Aquaman sort of glow a little. Mm-hmm. Just, wow. I mean, that really touches off the whole thing. And the ornate throne he's sitting on, and the octopus behind, which, by the way, better be Topo. Um, that's a, I mean, like, the colors just really jump on this thing. Mm-hmm
1: yeah that's it. This is rod kicks kicks ass with these books <laughs> as someone who does a little bit of coloring every month I color the the ace Kilroy Sundays and those are like c spot run coloring i can't uh. I can't fathom how rod does all this. I know he has an assistant, but still just just the fact that he's able to do two books a month and make them look as good as he does i'm just I'm so startled by that <laughs> yeah. it's really pretty amazing um Uh, The other sequence I liked that I thought Pelletier really did a good job uh, on was Aquaman talking with Tula. Um, He uses her body language very effectively. She bows to him because he is the king, but her body language is very sort of stiff and standoffish. And you do get the sense that she's, you know, she's she's, she's, uh, playing all the right notes in terms of saying, you know, I'm your subject. But the body language reveals that she's not trusting this guy. Um, which, which, well, I, a little, which I change Just
0: about. a little bit of that in the dialogue. Because she says, mm-hmm. would you like to take your throne before I address you, King Arthur? And it was, that's a, it's a bit of a F that's you. True. you know? yeah, that's true. <laughs> But yeah, when she's standing there with her arms
1: crossed. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're right, the body language is really good.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's it's, it's you know, she's not terribly trusting of him, which is uh, nice. And I said, it. I'm, I'm happy that they introduced this character back into the universe. Of course, it's not the tool that we're familiar with, but... I think we're headed in that direction in some sort. I, I, I'm going to just make a guess now. I'm horrible at this stuff because I, I really don't try and extrapolate. But I'm going to guess that, you know, this all this is going to come to a head and we're going to end up with Merc dead and Tula sort of brought into the fold as, you know, girl, And she'll be more of a loyal subject to Aquaman than she is here, of course. But we'll see. Merc's going to be Aqualad. Yeah, um, uh, and then I said the scene with Volko is is nice. I it said it's it's uh, there's a lot of I, I see there's a lot of uh, kind of like Alan Davis in this. I mentioned this I think in the last issue. Um, mm-hmm. But but there's some, some moments here that really look like kind of Alan Davisy to me, and that's meant to be a compliment, of course, because Alan Davis kicks ass. Um, so I think Paul, I think Peltier is really kind of getting better from issue to issue. I was fortunate enough to do an interview with him last week on the Shrine. Very nice guy. And we talked about Aquaman, of course, and his, you know, what he thinks he's doing, and um, how he how he's getting more comfortable in the book. And I think it shows, you know, I think he's he's finding his his own sort of I hate to use this term, but his own sort of voice as the artist on this book, as opposed to just sort of playing catch up and being the, you know, as he puts it, the guy that replaced Rod Reese. I think he's sort of <laughs> finding it himself, so he's doing I mean, a nice, I, I, doing Ivan a nice Reiss. job. What did I say?
0: You said Rod Reese. You mean Ivan? No, oh,
1: Ivan of course, Ivan Reese.
0: Another panel I really liked was Volko on his knees in the jail cell, because
1: mm-hmm.
0: not only do you get the enormous chains, yeah. which is just so cool,
1: just to lift your arms is probably a big effort.
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, the ones on his arms are fine, but as they get bigger towards the the long towards the ground, I mean, the links are just like as big as your head. Anyway, but there's like underground, or, I mean, underwater, sort of seaweed growing in there, mm-hmm. you know, or or fungus or whatever it is, and it, it, that looks great because that's the kind of like. I've been been having to take care of my daughter's fish tank lately, (laughs) so that kind of crap grows in the bottom of fish tanks all the time, (laughs) so it's like that looks really good.
1: Yes, it's a a cell that is not well kept, you know, like they just dump – you get the feeling it's like the the Atlantean version of um, solitary confinement.
0: Yeah. Now, if I had to give some constructive criticism for Mr. Pelletier, um, like – the The first page, especially, like I really like the one in Antarctica.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's just, it's just regular guys, you know. There's some great setting. There's nice little line work. It looks really nice. But if you jump forward several pages to where Mara's in the police station, mm-hmm. reading the report, and she's like throwing the papers and she's mad, mm-hmm. you know, I felt like he maybe didn't have as much time on this page, or it could have been the inker too. I don't know which, mm-hmm. but like, it, just as a constructive thing, I would say. You know, I love what you're doing in the beginning, and may- maybe you're not having enough time towards the end. I don't know quite what it is, but you know, you could do some great work, and you know, maybe there just needs to be a little more consistency.
1: Yeah, I would. I, I would you know, oh. probably agree that the mirror stuff is probably, just in terms of the overall, just sort of drawing, probably the weakest of of everything that's in here. But it's uh, you know and
0: it's it's still good. I mean I didn't I didn't want to use a term like weakness because I didn't want it to make it sound like it's bad. It's just no,
1: no, no, some of the other
0: stuff's a little bit step up. That's yeah like,
1: no I no I'd say I d would say it's weaker compared to the other stuff doesn't mean it's bad yeah. but compared to the other stuff I think partly it is it's their hamstrung is that Mira's not getting anything really terribly interesting to do at the moment.
0: Yeah, she used um, to throw a file folder. Right. in the past
1: two issues she's been arguing with the police. She she right. argued with the police last issue she's arguing with them again now. Um, she's basically just standing around being being pissy. so. um
0: It you know, works to trade paperback for him. Not so good month to
1: month. Right. And we know that these two are going to be reconciled because they've already done the solicits for, I think, number 21. And on the solicits, we see Aquaman and Mera on the cover together. So okay. obviously they're going to be reunited. So people have been worrying, oh, you know. I mean, I mentioned on the shrine that I'm a little... I don't want to say worried, that's too much of a word, but I'm a little hesitant about that, like, we seem to be going back to the whole heavy is the head that wears the crown thing, which is something that I think helped sink Aquaman in previous incarnations because I just think, you know, you're just like, all right, enough already. You know, if you don't want to be king of Atlantis, don't be king of it. Atl- you know, I, I think it's something that, like, every Aquaman writer tended to do and he just got old. Um, and one of the things I thought Johns did that was really great was, was he ripped all that out. You know, the, the first year and a half of this new Aquaman book, Aquaman was being a superhero and they were out kicking ass. And there wasn't any of this, oh, woe is me, I'm king of Atlantis. And now here he is back to being, oh, woe is me, I'm king of Atlantis. Uh, I don't think that's going to last. I mean, I think I think we're headed towards something else. But that's where we are now. And I'm a little like, oh, I didn't need to see a return to this, especially so soon. Uh, into this new run. But, again, you know, we're going to stick with it and see where it goes. And, um, you know, I – since, as far as we know, he's not leaving the Justice League anytime soon and John's has no intention of not making – not keeping him as a, you know, Amnesty Bay-based superhero, that he's going to have to give up the throne at some point. Uh, We don't know who they're going to hand it over to, but this situation is not going to last forever.
0: Now, I will – Argue with you here. So, surprisingly as that may seem, I'm going to argue with you. Um, I think they've actually done this very, very cleverly. Because when they first launched the book, I don't remember where I read it. I don't remember if it was another writer just commenting on it or whether it was actually Johns. Somebody said the secret to making Aquaman work is, you know, don't make him, don't make it about the adventures in Atlantis. And you know, and it, it, it's you know, his adventures need to take place elsewhere. Don't make him the king of Atlantis right. and make those the adventures. And here's what he did. Well, Aquaman is king of Atlantis right now. He's not dealing with Atlantis. He's dealing with the surface world. Everything he's doing in Atlantis is has something to do with the surface world. So us as people that know the surface world, not Atlantis, we still have a hook in everything they're talking about. Everything they're talking about is our world, not about their own. And so I think that's a very clever way that they've been able to do both. They're able to put him as king of Atlantis temporarily. But they're able to keep our interest by it. it's not just about internal Atlantis politics.
1: True, that's true. It's, he's not dealing with you know plankton farmers or whatever. And
0: all right. That. It's exactly. It's about the the surface world. So I think that's a very clever way to let you have your cake and eat it too. Is that it's still about the surface world, but he's down there. Now I wanted to talk about this uh, Frost King for a minute here. He. First of all, amazing last page. I mean, Mr. Pelletier, you just knocked this one out of yeah, the he looks great. park.
1: I love all the crap in his beard.
0: Well, right. You know, but also just the shell armor and just the wind. I mean, it's just a gorgeous piece. Now, a couple things to note here. First of all, he's carrying one of those tridents. Right. One of those power tridents. Apparently these things they gave him out like lollipops back in the old days. <laughs> Everyone had one. Uh, and he refers to Mara as daughter of Zebel. So I got to wonder, because, like, this dude is blasting snow, which is essentially water, you know, frozen water. Could he be Zebel connected as well, or is that just his Trident doing the snow stuff? Could be. Mm-hmm. I don't we'll know. Find Interesting. Out and also, last thing I got to say is Officer Watson, she totally slept with Arthur.
1: <laughs> uh, so her too? Uh... <laughs> That's interesting. I didn't think of it. I really didn't uh, think think that uh, angle. But you may be right.
0: I mean, she's totally hung up. She says, you know, he's a good man. He wouldn't be with you if you weren't a, if you weren't a good woman. You know, because I was a good woman. You know, <laughs> when he was with me. I mean, it's it's all there. You know, her hair is just peeking out from under the hat. Yeah, okay. she totally she totally slept with him.
1: Okay. I don't know how Mir's going to take that. She's very head. She didn't deal too well with uh, what's her name, Yoara. So.
0: She's she's an Eskimo girl. Just wait. <laughs> that's a reference for the old time and tide for you old school
1: fans. <laughs> ah, Aquaman. Yeah, he was busy. Um, <laughs> anyway, a fine issue. Like I said, a little talky. But that's fine. Again, you know, not everything has to be constant action. So, you know, it was good. that then there's a big action beat at the end, of course, with the Ice King guy. So, uh, you know, they're just continuing along quite well. And like I said, I think the art is getting better as we go along. I thought it was... I thought it was, it was fine when Pelletier took over, but he's been getting better and better uh, as we go along. So, uh, you know, I hope he's on the book for a while and gets a chance to really, uh, you know, get comfortable and get his bearings. And, and, uh, and he seems like a very nice guy. Now that I've had a chance to speak to him directly, um, he seems like a, a really nice guy and wants to do a really nice – I keep saying really – wants to do a, a good job on Aquaman. So uh, Cool. Yeah. I,
0: I hope he stays around because I want to see him draw the fight between Merc and Aquaman.
1: Oh, I'm sure it'll be around for that. I'm sure it'll be around. I can't I, wait for that. I think that's that's going to be coming sooner rather than later. So,
0: <laughs> now it could be that Merc turns they turn it around and Merc becomes a supporting character. Could be, maybe because sometimes the best relationships come from conflict.
1: Could uh, there are some examples of that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like I said, I am gonna I am gonna put my marker down now. I'm gonna bet that the, when when this is when this becomes a palace coup. Merc will be killed, Wandor somehow defeated, and Tula will fall in line. And then then that's how they're going to incorporate her into the universe.
0: Well, I agree definitely that Tula's going to come in line. And you're probably right. Merc's going to get taken down. He'll lead the rebellion and he'll kill the younglings.
1: Oh, God, no. Don't ever (laughs) hear that word ever again. Uh, (laughs) uh, Okay, so anyway, so that's just League number 18 and Aquaman number 18. Um, we are going to take a little break. We're going to listen to some commercials from some of our favorite podcasts. We don't do enough of that. We are we like being part of the whole uh, podcast universe out there of like character, superhero comic character blogs, um, but we don't play enough commercials for for some of our favorite shows. So enjoy these commercials, and when we come back, we are going to talk about Fury of Firestorm number eighteen.
2: Woo!
3: His strength is incredible. His name is legendary. His battle is never ending. Faster than a speedy bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. My name is Michael Bailey, and I host an internet radio show called Views from the Longbox. Superman is my favorite character of all time, and in 2013, he is turning 75. Because of this, a large portion of the episodes this year will be about the Man of Steel in a series I'm calling Superman Superman. at 75, the the celebration of a legend. I'm going to mark Superman's birthday in fine style by examining all aspects of the character's history, from the comics, to the movies, to the television series, and beyond, both alone and with the best and brightest of the podcasting world. It may not be every episode, but the bulk of views in 2013 will be all about the Man of Steel. He is the first and greatest superhero of them all, and he deserves no less. Superman at 75. The celebration of a legend. A series within a series, and the biggest birthday card a fan can give his favorite hero. Only at Views from the Long Box. Views from the Long Box is a fortress of Bailey-tude production. New episodes drop every other Tuesday over at www.viewsfromthelongbox.com and for this series, over at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com
2: Well, hello there. I'm J. David Weeder. You may know me from the internet. Come in. Enjoy my palatial arctic estate. Ah, I see you noticed the smell of mahogany and my hardback archive and showcase editions. Yeah, I do alright for myself. Listen, why don't you get cozy here with me on my titano skin rug while Mattalo mixes up a drinky drink. Mattalo, soda color martini. Shaken. Look, I want you to come with me to a place, a place where it's only you and me and the Man of Steel, maybe Jimmy Olsen and Lois Lane? Wait, wait, where are you going? No, this isn't me coming on to you. This is a podcast promo. What I'm trying to propose is joining me weekly like Clark Kent did when he threw the green crystal into the water and saw Marlon Brando's giant head appear, only in podcast form and my head just won't even be visible because it is an audio medium. Once a week, delve into the world of Superman with me on Superman Forever Radio. Look at comics, toy lines, TV series, characters, creators, anything and everything connected to the Man of Steel. Every Sunday at SupermanForever.com, iTunes, and other podcatchers. Superman Forever Radio, fighting for truth and justice forever. That's SupermanForever.com. See, I didn't mean what you thought I meant. It's all good. And yes, this is a new glowing white Kryptonian robe. Thank you so much for noticing. And yes, that is Lori Lamaris lounging by the pool. Don't tell her, but we're having smoked salmon for dinner and she takes it very personally. And you know who can't take a joke? Terra Man. You get one Glue Factory reference and he's up in arms. Superman Forever Radio. Keeping J. David Weeder off the streets so you don't have to.
1: Uh, Hey everybody, we're back. Uh, We are now going to move on to our discussion of the Fury of Firestorm, the Nuclear Man number eighteen.
0: Woo! This is it, man. I've been waiting for this for a while. We get our very first classic Firestorm rogue. Um, We've seen, you know, sort of hints of things like we had, you know, hints of Killer Frost, and we we had uh, the the hyena dog team thing. But I mean, this is. This is the first purely classic Firestorm rogue we've seen, and it's Multiplex, who, by golly, he should be in here, because he was Firestorm's very first supervillain. You get a great cover by Jurgens and Ray McCarthy. Um, Multiplex attacks. I, lo- I love the cover treatment on this. It's Multiplex's symbol, just sort of a circle, with a bunch of lines coming off and stuff. Uh, and Firestorm just looks, he looks absolutely dead on how he should. It's just a really great cover. In fact, I've been using this on Facebook as my... Uh, whatever you call that, cover photo, you know, so, um, absolutely love it, and colors by Hi-Fi, so nice stuff. Overall, what's going on in this issue, uh, and I'll keep the recap, at. A, I think I'm going to try and keep it at a pretty high level, is essentially, it's, it's, a Ronnie and Jason are trying to find Ronnie's mom. She's been kidnapped, and then, meanwhile, we get stories of Ronnie's mom in trouble, and they finally, they, they get to her, and there's a big supervillain fight, so, I'll go through it a little more detail than that, but that's kind of the <laughs> and gist. And so,
1: well, that's the episode. Thank you. And we're done!
0: <laughs> <laughs> then there was some fighty-fighty and some doggy-doggy. Anyway, so well, the story starts off with Relay and Bone Crusher uh, robbing a Q-Core research facility, which is basically Oliver Queen's company. They're, they're going to go steal the new Q-Phone, you know, which is, you know, every, <laughs> it's supposed to be, in the, if you don't know, in the new 52, Oliver Queen's company is like the biggest tech provider around. So they're gonna go steal the phone. and Firestorm jumps them. and just starts beating the shaz out of them. He uh, he's just you know yelling, "Where is she?" And he's smashing the crap out of them, which is great. They have some cool fights. Uh, there's some good transmutation. They continue the running gag of Firestorm turning Bone Crushers costumes into something ridiculous, yeah. which I I'm really glad that gag's been established. It's a lot of fun. You know, he did a bunny suit last time. This <laughs> time he put him in a diaper, which is hilarious.
1: With the giant safety pin.
0: Yes, which but that, the safety pin just sells it, just takes it home from there. So uh, there's some fighty fight, some taunting of each other. And then we get into a flashback that explains how we got here. Basically explains how Ronnie came home from school and found out his mother had been kidnapped. And Jason and his dad show up, and they're trying to figure out what to do. Tanya shows up. There's actually a moment here I wanna, want you to notice, Rob. Tanya hugs on Ronnie because she feels bad for him. And Jason's in the background, kind of like, huh? <laughs> because all along, Jason's had the hots for Tanya, but it hasn't? They have Tanya and Jason haven't really consummated the relationship. It's been more like Jason likes her, and they Is hang that around. The word you him. want to use? Uh, it was intentional. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I said they hadn't.
1: Right. I did. But okay. All right.
0: Anyway. Um, so anyway, basically, firestorm. I'm sorry, Ronnie and Jason sort of like through process of deduction, trying to figure out who knows their secret identity, they get to Relay. So she's, they're thinking maybe Relay has something to do with this because they had, you know, figured out who Ronnie and Jason were, potentially. And so they go, out and that's why they were going after, that was all flashback. That's why they're going after Relay and Bone Crusher. Meanwhile, it cuts to an adventure with Ronnie's mom. She has been, as I said, kidnapped. She's being kept in the abandoned warehouse district of Pittsburgh. And um, she, that was a joke. She's in so, locked so up. In,
1: Pittsburgh, you mean?
0: Oh, dang. She's locked up in this room, and it turns out there's another guy who's in there, too, who's been bound and gagged. So she frees him, and uh, they kind of try and figure out a way to break out of this place. They get out there, they bump into some multiplexes, and he says, you know, quick, call 911. Call call so instead, she, uh, she apparently calls her son instead. Then we get this sort of shadowy group of people. Shadowy group of people that are watching all of this go on. There are two guys and two girls in this shadowy group. One of one of which we're pretty darn sure is Killer Frost, because it just it looks like her, and we know she's coming anyway. So it's got to be Killer Frost. The other one is a girl who wears a cape, so we're not quite sure who that is unless it's Power Girl. I'm kind of hoping one of these guys is Slipknot, because
1: he got... now. Come on, now hold on. Well, no, 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 no. I, no I'm being legit. I'm being legit. I promise. Because issue nineteen cover, we know Killer Frost is on the cover, right? And she's she's bound up in rope. She's we bound up in rope, this. right?
0: And one of these guys, sort of like a uh, wrist bracers. It could be
1: rope. All right, maybe? I think you're I think you're asking for a little much. We got Multiplex. You got Killer Frost. I, I you know.
0: I'm, I'm projecting.
1: <laughs> I, I, just, I just think you are asking for too much. That's
0: well, if I'm asking for too much, one of these would be Typhoon and the other one would be Plastique. So, anyway.
1: <laughs> and Dr. Faye would show up at the end.
0: He's not a Firestorm villain. Anyway, so. I know,
1: but you're just going to ask for everything, so why not? Is that I knew where
0: doing? you were going. Blue Devil's in the next one, too, right? <laughs> so, um, basically, you know, she calls Firestorm, tells him, calls Ronnie and says, come save me. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, she calls... Alvin, to say, tell Ronnie to come save us. Anyway, they get going. They go to the abandoned warehouse district. as Firestorm. They bust in. They crack some skulls on Multiplex. Find out that his mother and this guy that was helping her escape have been locked up in this giant engine. And it's sucking the life out of them. (laughs) You know, and they're very upset. They don't know what to do. And he decides to blast the engine. And then... He, then he can't stop blasting. It starts absorbing the power that he's blasting into it. Turns out it's all been a big ruse. This guy who's been trying to help her mother, uh, Ronnie's mother, escape, turns out to be none other than Dalton Black, Multiplex, and uh, it was all a trick to get Farstrom to come in and power him. He had to get more power, and we we get a piece of his origin. We find out that he used to be a lab assistant for uh, Dr. Stein, and. Uh, <clears throat> He got in a lot of trouble, got fired, came back to the plant, triggered a big explosion, which gave him his power. So, well, I'll come back, I guess, and compare it in a minute. So his powers are nuclear. They are related to Professor Stein's reactor. And he's got these fission powers. But eventually the fission powers started to fade. So he needed the recharge from Firestorm. So he gets that. He gets powered up. And Ronnie and, and, and Jason start talking. Jason suggests if he wants to be fed with power, give him everything we got. You know, overcharge him. Does that, takes out Multiplex, you get a happy, happy, smiley, smiley panel at the end of Firestorm and his mom, who, by the way, I haven't said it yet, she's hot, and again, you get those four shadowy figures, and that is your story. Next month, Bloodbath, which may or may not be part of the Bloodline storyline, given the name, I'm not sure, so.
1: Maybe the name new know, villain.
0: Or it's 20 years late from Bloodline, so. Anyway, overall, um, pretty good issue, you know? Uh, it's nice to see the classic villain. It's nice to see them battling. I mean, you get a lot of different scenes in this one. You get the relay bone crusher scene. You get the scenes with Ronnie talking to his dad and Jason. You get the scene with the mom trying to break out. Then you get the scenes with Ronnie at the Band warehouse. So, I mean, you get several different scenes in the book, so that's always nice. And then, of course, there's the foreshadowing. So I, I think it was structured quite well. I think Firestorm looks really sharp. In fact, the uh, the second page... Where he's just flying in and punching bone crusher and relay. I just really dig that. I think it's a really nice rendition of the current Firestorm costume. He's got a lot of rage built up in him, so I think throughout the book Firestorm looks really sharp. In fact, there's one panel, oh geez, where is it? That I thought it was really cool because it's just a little silly thing. It's a uh, page one, two, three, four, five. Well, they're not numbered. Five, six. On oh, the sixth page, the second page is a flashback, and I know this is really silly. But, like, to me, it meant something. It's a profile shot of Firestorm and Jason, and they're staring off to the side, to their to, I guess, their left, our right, and Ronnie's eyes, they're glowing, mm-hmm. but there's a concave circle in there, indicating sort of depth in the way the eye sinks in. I don't know if you see what I'm talking about. Yes, I do. It's like a half moon, or mm-hmm. a quarter moon or something like that. I just like that. It's like, as silly as that sounds, that sold that panel for me. It made it look like more like a real person and kind of like something is really happening there. And it just, I don't know, probably I'm probably overthinking this stuff.
1: But. I think so. But one thing I do want to mention about the uh, flashback, yeah, as you brought it up, is that uh, we we've talked, to, you know, before about how this Jergens run on this book is, you know, decidedly old school superhero comics, and I think the flashback is part of that because I like comics don't do flashbacks anymore. That used, oh, yeah. to, that used to be a staple of superhero comics practically every month because that was back when they cared about trying to get new readers. So, <laughs> I mean, every month you'd be like, so, well as, well, as we all know, Ben, Doctor Doom attacked us and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> now, as if, if you were a regular reader like I was and I'm sure like you were, Shag, you probably skipped over that stuff because you're like, well, I know this already. But it was a nice thing for new readers to catch up. And it's like this Firestorm – flashback of the last two pages just restating what we just saw, I just feel like, wow, this feels like it's like out of a 1985 comic book.
0: You know? Well, it's like, built in two ways. You get that because you get the, the message. But you also got some new information. You did get Alvin and Jason there. You did get Tanya there and their deductive reasoning of what they're going to do next, right, which right, didn't right. appear in the last issue. But it's still, But it's still flashback. And I think it was, well, it, it allowed the Firestorm comic to start off in action and then back up into how they got to that Mm -hmm, action. mm -hmm. So, you know, really, it allows the comic to start with a bang, and then you get kind of, like you said, an old-school flashback, but I think it was done with really modern-day creative panel design.
1: Oh, the pages are beautiful. I love that portrait of Firestorm with his hair. It's it's really, once again, these guys, Juergens and Kiesel and Ray McCarthy, make a really solid team. We know Carl Kiesel is, you know, like one of the premier superhero comic book inkers, but... um
0: Ray McCarthy's really great for Jurgen style. They but, I mean, mesh
2: perfectly. For,
0: for those of you who aren't reading Firestorm, I, what they did was they built a panel design out of Kirby dots. Yes. A uh, Kirby crackle. It's just great. I absolutely love it. So, very cool stuff. All right, so... One um, <laughs> other art comment. I really miss Multiplex's mustache and his old helmet.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he had this really great sort of, like pencil-thin Clark Gable sort of mustache for a while. I mean, so it depend on the artist. Sometimes they draw it bushy, sometimes they draw it thin. I like this little thin, you know, 1940s mustache. And uh, Classic Multiplex used to have this really awesome Magneto kind of helmet. It was really cool. Um, but I understand. I mean, this new design is really great, and this design was actually done in Volume 3 of Firestorm back around 2004, 2005, and they've just maintained it, so I'm glad to see it. It actually looks cool, but I still love that old helmet. I think it's cool. I'm an old school kind of guy. So, um, if I had to have some criticism for this issue, it would probably be the trick. Like the trick where Dalton Black tricked the mom, and and right. There's like a, there's a really big ruse he does here to make her think he's helping her, and eventually they get locked up in the machine together, all to get Firestorm's attention to get the energy. It's like. It seems pretty darn elaborate just to get them locked up in the machine together when they could have just locked them in the machine together. And when she woke up, he could have just gone, help, help, help. Can you reach your phone? You know, or something like that. I don't know. Hmm. Um, It just seemed like it was a really, really elaborate trick to get to to, to the end game. And a lot of things might have not worked out in that trick. So, you know, that's just me. But it certainly made me want to believe this guy was actually trying to help her. So it worked from that angle. From a storytelling angle, I really believe this guy was helping her until I was like, maybe he's the bad guy, but this it's is going way. a lot of places that maybe it's not. Oh, yeah, he's a bad guy. <laughs>
1: <So>. <laughs> Another nice little old schooly touch was uh, Multiplex taking the time to recite his origin. Yes. That's, that's true. A, <laughs> you know, villains don't do that anymore because, you know, now it's all just let's just move on, move. Move, 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 but I kind of like that. It. It's like, oh, here I'm going to explain to you why I am what I am, which is not really necessary, but it's just, it's just fun, and it's a very classic superhero comic book trope. So I've been enjoying seeing it again.
0: Well, I'll tell you, I, I dug that because you know, just an issue two ago, I mentioned how Relay and Bone Crusher and I can't even remember the other guy's name, Blackstar, maybe. Um, we didn't know anything about him, right? And I felt like they were more of a power set than a character. Whereas here, you know, in in a very in what one, two, three, four, four and a half panels, we get Multiplex's origin, and I feel a lot more plugged into this character because of that. Now, admittedly, he's old; he's a classic hero, maybe a classic villain. Maybe I'm projecting. I don't know. But I felt like I, I seeing that origin meant a lot to me because I felt like I understood the character a little better. You know, whereas uh, with, with the other character's Bone crusher, I still don't know what his motivation is, other than money. So, I also liked in the panel design here, every time it's a flashback piece, the corners are rounded. Yes. In fact, one panel starts off square on the left because it's modern. As it transitions to flashback, it becomes curved on the right-hand side. I thought that was really clever.
1: The old Super Friends trick. What? Super Friends used to do that. All Super Friends comics, uh, the panel borders are curved. Really? And that's how you knew it was a Super Friends comic, if you ever saw it out of context. Not that you did at that time, but all Super Friends comics have rounded panel borders, not square, not pointy. Yep.
0: I've never read a Super Friends
1: comic. It made it seem more friendly. It does, doesn't it? I've never (laughs) read a Super (laughs) Friends comic, so I don't know. Oh, you poor child. That's a
0: great book. (laughs) This is totally uh, out in left field here, but there's a panel up here where Dalton Black and Ronnie's mom are just screaming because they're in pain as Ronnie's blasting the machine. And it looks really Tom Grinberg. Um, he drew Firestorm for a little while, hmm. right before the Elemental Era. And it uh, just looks very Tom Grinberg. So. Okay. Anyway, um, one of the big things I haven't mentioned yet, which I'm sure some Firestorm fans are screaming at their MP3 player right now. Okay, here it comes, folks. You can stop screaming. Um, yes, Multiplex's secret identity has changed. Very minorly, by one letter. <laughs> Not even that far up and down the alphabet. It's gone from Danton Black to Dalton Black. I know. whoop de doo Some <laughs> people are like, other people are like, no, this is a big deal.
1: <laughs> the new 52 was worth it.
0: <laughs> he went from the letter N to the letter L. Um, you know, it's... Uh, Dan Jurgens did an interview about it. He was just like, he, he thought he liked the name Dalton better. But I think the truth is, uh, a few issues ago on the Who's Who podcast, I made the mistake of saying Dalton Black rather than um, dance in black. And I think maybe that, you know, that just influenced the direction the new 52 was going. <laughs> yeah. And my mistake therefore became continuity. That's, and I'm sticking to my story. That's
1: uh <laughs> heavy is the head that wears the crown.
0: There it is, baby. There it is. Uh, I like that um in the flashback, Dr. Martin Stein or Professor Martin Stein has the frazier haircut going on. You know, it's balding up top, long in the back. Because Professor Stein has never had long hair. I mean, he's just—he's not a long hair kind of guy. But I like how he's got the Fraser Crane long hair kind of look there. So I dug on that. (laughs) It's the simple things in life that make me happy. You
1: really do manage to find very, very tiny little things to focus on. I'm saying that in a bad way, but you really – you notice stuff about Firestorm that I don't think I notice in Aquaman.
0: Well, I try to because you think about it. I mean, there's two guys here that their job is to draw these comics. And in theory, they're doing, what, a page a day. So, several hours were spent on some piece of this, yes. and it's like, you know, all these details they had to think about, and, you know, i just like to acknowledge them when I can. Like, actually, you know, um, the last panel of the book, and I was thinking about this before, has uh, Ronnie's mom and and a firestorm together smiling, and she looks like a Paul Pelletier drawing. Interesting. She looks like a classic Paul Pelletier drawing, doesn't she?
1: Uh, A little bit. I don't know if I... Totally see that, but, but okay. Did I miss she's hot, by the way? Y- yes, you
0: did. Okay, I just want to make sure I got that out there. So um overall I think it was a fun issue. You know, we got our classic rogue. Um I probably would have it if the fight had gone a little longer, you know, but you know, when you're limited to twenty pages, you're limited to twenty pages. It's that simple. So I, I want to see more of multiplex. I hope we get a chance. Given that he's able to duplicate himself, you know, it's quite possible they didn't, you know. There's maybe another one of them out there they can fight. That's how it usually works with these multiple guy things. I don't know. But next issue, I'm looking forward to hopefully finding these four mysterious, shadowy figures in addition to uh, in addition to Killer Frost. And we, I guess we get our WTF covers next month also. Is that right?
1: I think so. Yes. Yes, we do.
0: <laughs> he said with enthusiasm. So, uh, folks, <laughs> uh, you know, I did not mention the creative team. I'm glad you, you, you did mention them a minute ago. I'm, I'm I was horribly... Uh, remiss in doing that. Dan Juergens on story and pencil art, Ray McCarthy and Carl Kiesel on finished ink art, Travis Lanham on letters, Hi-Fi on colors, and, uh, oh, we have a new editors. I didn't notice that. That's interesting. It's been the same editor since issue number one, uh, Rachel, oh, I'm totally blanking on her last name. Sorry about that. And Ricky Purden, but, um, it's like now Rachel we have,
1: Gluckenstein?
0: Yes, we have Rachel, that was Rachel Gluckenstein and Ricky Burden. But this issue, we have a new editor and a new assistant editor. I wonder if that's because there was changes or they're just winding down the book, so They moved it off. I don't know. But it's uh, Mike Cotton and Anthony Marquez. And, um, you know, importantly, Firestorm created by Jerry Conway and Al Milne. There we go. Ding! And I failed to say hi-fi on colors. Sorry. No, you just, you did. Well, I'm going to say it twice because they're that good. Okay.
1: There you have it. <laughs> DC's had a lot of problems with their editors lately. I don't know what's going on, but <laughs> Ooh, read that Newsorama
0: article, folks. That's all I'm saying. It's eye-opening. I don't. I don't care what side you're on. It's eye-opening. So, and I apologize. I my sickness is getting the better of me. Okay. So, I, well, yeah.
1: Let's. All right, We let's. We, we're done. We're done with Firestorm and Bray team
0: <laughs> But wait, I want to say more. I want to
1: keep talking. Okay. <laughs> Um, Are we there yet? No, is no, this no. real? Oh, God. <laughs> um, <laughs> and this, this is our real episode. Two more things we wanted to mention before we sign off from this from this show. Uh, actually, three things. Uh, we're kind of tardy doing our um, listener feedback. We're going to get to that in the next show so we can give it its proper due diligence. So we're going to catch up on all that in the next episode just in case you're uh, worried about it. Yep. Um, but two things we wanted to mention before we sign off. One – is we want to send some good thoughts out to uh, Rachel Bailey, of course the wife of Michael Bailey, fellow podcaster and comic book nerd. Uh, Rachel was in a pretty severe car accident earlier in the week. I've seen Mike posted pictures of the car and pretty horrible stuff. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And Rachel has broken several different parts of her body. She's in the hospital. She's going to recover and she's going to be fine, but it's going to be a long road. And, uh, Mike is, uh, from what we see, taking very, very good care of her. And amazingly enough, uh, Rachel is still able to access uh, Facebook, which is <laughs> remarkable because I wrote something about her and then I saw Rachel Bailey gives us the thumbs up. Oh my like, God, she's on Facebook in her hospital bed. So we just wanted to extend our, our, uh, our, our continued good wishes for her speedy recovery and, uh. And uh, all good thoughts uh, for her and the uh, Bailey family.
0: Absolutely. Rob. I hang out with Rachel and Mike at DragonCon every year, and I consider her a friend. And uh, yeah, I, 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 I was pretty upset when I saw the car, uh, the photos of that. And uh, I, I just I, – I can't speak very well. I echo everything Rob just said. <coughs> Sorry.
1: Yeah. Um, so, said, all good thoughts going to the, to the Bailey family. And finally, we're going to conclude with uh, some news that just broke today as we pull back the curtain. We're recording this on Thursday. Um, April 4th, news uh, has gotten to us that uh, the legendary, that's not even a big enough word for it, legendary Carmen Infantino has passed away at age 87. Um, You know, when you're 87, not totally unexpected news, still uh, sad nonetheless, especially since uh, earlier in the day, the film critic Roger Ebert passed away and like Facebook was flooded with remembrances of, uh, of, of Roger Ebert. And then I saw that it said Carmen Infantino, I thought, all right, enough. All right, enough, yeah. enough with the people I like, you know, passing away. Stop it. I don't have any, you know, great personal recollections of Mr. Infantino, except for the time that I met him at the Wizard World Philly con uh, back in 2007. And amazingly enough, at 83 years old, he was still doing sketches for people. Really, he was, and he was, uh, he was selling his book. They, they there was a book about him. It, it was the Amazing World of Carmen Infantino, I believe, was the name of it. And he was there doing sketches, and because he's, you know, 83, he was basically limiting his sketches to, like, headshots of, like, Adam Strange, Batman, and The Flash. You know, like, (laughs) the three characters he was most familiar with, which I'm sure he could draw practically by muscle memory, you know. Um, But I went up to him, being the jerk that I am, and said, would you mind drawing Aquaman? And he only had, like, a vague recollection of what Aquaman looked like. And I, he said, do you have any, but, but he said, sure. And he said do you have any reference? And I said, oh, sure. Look at the cover. Here's all the, you know, here's the shots of the uniform. So he said, okay. So he went ahead and did it. And not only did he draw, he didn't just draw a headshot of Aquaman. He drew like a full half body shot of Aquaman swimming. And he's got the tunic, you know, with the scales and the, the, the scalloped gloves and the whole bit. So he actually went way, way above and beyond what um, he was really doing for anybody else. Wow, um, which is really very really nice. It's a very loose sketch. Um, by the time everybody here hears this, you'll see it up on the shrine on on Friday. It was our little tribute to him. But he did a really nice, you know, nice little loose sketch, and you know, it's a Carmen Infantino original. I mean, this is a guy who co-created the Flash. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you could right. just stop with that, he he co-created the character that introduced the Silver Age of comics. That's enough.
2: <laughs> um, but he
1: also but he also co-created uh, Black Canary. Elongated Man, the Phantom Stranger, Animal Man—you know, rid- ridiculous. I mean, so many, many characters in the DCU, and he also had a long run on Marvel Star Wars series, and that was yeah, one of, one yes, of my—yeah, that was one of my favorite comics growing up. So, so um, in addition to his work as an artist, he was DC Comics editorial director in the late '60s, and he was responsible for many, many—he uh, basically did their cover designs. For other artists to execute, and he came up with some of the most innovative covers. <laughs> uh, the gorilla, the gorillas, the gorillas. Well, that was Julie <laughs> Schwartz, but I mean the the yeah, Batman holding up the gorilla before it explodes. Um, the classic uh, Black mana standing on top of the Aquaman logo, holding the presumably dead Aquaman above his above his body. Um, that was his design. That was his design. Nick Hardy drew it.
0: Oh but it wow! It was
1: Fenzino's design. Um, the one of uh, Blockbuster smashing the Batman logo. I mean, stuff that you just didn't see in comic book covers in the late 60s. Because they were trying to do anything to get people to to, to, be, to notice. Because Marvel was just, just kicking their ass at that point. So DC was desperate to look different. And, and so um, Infantino really came up with some innovative covers. And then after his tenure as editorial director, he became publisher. And he was the one – now, he did some things that are regrettable. He canceled Aquaman while it was still selling well. Let's just move on from that. Um, But he was also responsible for the um, pursuing of different size formats for comics. And he was the one that got DC Comics into doing Treasury Editions. So uh, I will forever owe him – yes, I will forever owe him for that. Um, They went and tried Digests. They did magazines. They were just trying everything they could. To, to to get people to read their comics again or, or get more interested. So um, an amazing, amazing career, that this uh, life that this man led. And uh, basically if you read any comic in the last – from like the 50s through the late 80s, uh, you were benefiting from uh, Carmen Fantino's work in one way or the other. You may not have even known it, but, but you were. So um, an extraordinary life uh, well lived.
0: I wish I had more to add. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean I, I sound like a chump now. But yeah, I mean – amazing stuff. Uh his his earlier work on Flash is just breathtaking. All the great great iconic moments you remember of Flash, you know, Flash being turned into a puppet, you know, all those great shots of, of Flash over these you remember. I mean, they're all him, you know. And I didn't even realize half the innovative stuff he brought forward. You like you mentioned just the different, you know, delivery formats and 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 styles. That's amazing. So, Yeah, so I mean it, it, sad that uh, sad that he's gone but um you know what an amazing contribution and hopefully he'll get some more recognition from the fans may I not
1: mean, I know who he was yeah an, ama- an amazing amazing legacy and like i said he didn't he didn't really have a lot of association with firestorm or aquaman too much he basically ever drew aquaman in a justice league scenario you know like he never drew aquaman as a solo thing um, if the justice league showed up somewhere then then in a flash comic he probably drew him but but other than that, not too much. But uh, but, but but nevertheless, you know, I mean, just, just from that one cover alone, the Aquaman number 42 cover, like, that's <laughs> quite an impact uh, on the character because it's one of, like, the famous Aquaman covers. So.
0: Oh, yeah. It's definitely probably the best.
1: So, yeah, so uh, an amazing artist, and uh, if you haven't read his um, – if you haven't found that book, the – Amazing, I believe it's called the Amazing World of Carbon Infinity. Do find it? You can find it on eBay. I think relatively cheap. It's it's a big art book featuring most of his co- a lot of his covers. It's really worth it because uh, it's just it's just a visual visual delight to, to to pour through all the stuff that the guy did. So uh, so anyway, that uh, we're, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Fire and Water Podcast. I normally Shag does this, but he's dying. So uh, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that for us here. Um, as always, uh, you can follow either one of our blogs, FirestormFan.com. You can also find FirestormFan.com on Twitter and Facebook and still Google+. Plus.
0: Yeah, sometimes. Okay,
1: sometimes, of all the same name. You can find Aquaman Trine on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at FireWaterPodcast.comcast.net. You can follow our Tumblr, FireAndWaterPodcast.tumblr.com. And uh, that's it. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Fire and Water podcast. Uh, fan the flame and ride the wave, and uh, we'll see you guys in the next episode.
0: Come back next month where we becomes the All Bug and Bite podcast.
1: Oh, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.
2: Uh, well- Truth and justice and sea on land and air. Firestorm and Aquaman they make a super fair. Aquaman and Firestorm Super Friends Forever. Yeah.
0: That was the only outlet when you think about it for kids in those days. That was the only, comic was the outlet. There was no TV. There was radio, but there was no TV. Uh, movies were expensive, a dime was expensive in those days to go see the movie house and the comic books were a dime and they were cheap enough I guess so that was the outlet you know and every generation needs an outlet one way or another and that generation found it in comics